turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. God asked Solomon, Solomon asked me for one thing, and I'll give it to you. Solomon said, Lord, I don't know how to govern this great people of yours. Give me wisdom. And help me govern this great people of yours. And God was pleased with his request. As you know, he gave him wisdom, and he also blessed him in many other ways. But you know, I'm convinced that what we need in this world is God's wisdom rather than the wisdom of this world. Uh, Our problems come oftentimes from living according to the world's wisdom rather than according to God's wisdom. And so we need God's wisdom for our personal lives. We need it for our families, for our church. Uh, We need it in our society, uh, in in our nation. And uh, Paul was writing to Timothy. Timothy's a a young pastor. And Timothy was having problems in his church. He had a couple of men who were teaching false doctrine in the church. And they were leading people astray. They were saying the resurrection had already come. And Paul says, that's wrong, that's not true. Uh, and he, so he gives Timothy some uh, pointers in how to deal with this problem, but also just pointers in general on how to minister in difficult circumstances and difficult situations. And we find ourselves in difficult circumstances and situations uh, in our culture today, in our nation today, Uh, We need special wisdom from God to be able to help us effectively minister in the culture in which we live. Uh, By the way, every child of God is a minister. Every child of God given spiritual gifts uh, to minister to the church. Every child of God called uh, to share what God has done uh, with people who are lost. And so we're all ministers, and so we can all benefit from these, these scriptures and from this wisdom that we see here in this passage today. And it will truly, I believe if we take these things seriously, will change the destiny and the course of our lives. Uh, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And so we need to follow God's wisdom so that we can change the course of our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. The title of my message is is Changing Your Destiny. Changing Your Destiny. There's going to be several choices that we'll be making. But before we get into that, look with me at verse 14. We'll read this scripture. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more ungodliness. Uh, And their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenaeus and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and are ruining the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Bearing this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. 
Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes, because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach, and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Changing your destiny. What choices do we make? Well, God asks us to choose scripture over opinion. Scripture over opinion. He's talking about this quarreling about words. In other words, this nitpicky quarreling. Uh, You ever had somebody that corrects you about all the little words that you use? Isn't that irritating? Uh, this, this idea of quarreling, getting into a, a fight about stuff that really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things is the idea that these, these false teachers were, were not only teaching false doctrine, but they were causing quarrels in the body. Uh, but, but God tells Timothy, you focus on correctly teaching the word of truth, the scripture. You teach the Bible. Scripture. Over-opinion is what we need to choose in our lives. Now, you say, well, pastor, you're giving us your opinion. Yes, you're right. I'm giving you my opinion based on what I believe the Word of God to be teaching. And can I tell you something? What you need to do every time you hear the gospel preached, you need to check it with the Word of God and see if it's true. And you don't have to have a degree in Greek or Hebrew to be able to look at the basic meaning of Scripture in its context. There's a context of the chapter in which it's written. There's the context of the Bible book it's written in. And the context of the Bible as a whole. And so if what a preacher or teacher is teaching does not fit in with what the Bible says, you reject the opinion and you embrace the Scripture. Scripture over opinion. Now, what I've seen in our culture is that the opinions of men change with time. Have you ever noticed that? What was acceptable when I was growing up is a different set of things that are acceptable now. Uh, And that's true for my parents as well. I remember my parents telling me when I was growing up, wow, things have really changed since we were growing up. So people's opinions are always changing. That's not just true of society, but that's true in, uh, in academia. It's true in every facet of life, except for things like math, where there's one right answer, right? And so uh, uh, we need to be aware of this. The opinions of men are always changing, and oftentimes they come from their source, which is the enemy. So we need to choose Scripture over opinion. Uh, There are some in our culture who say you need to affirm every kind of gender. The LGBTQ. I'm not even sure what Q is. But you need to affirm all these different things. What does the Bible say? God made them male 
and female. Just two. Uh, the scripture says that marriage needs to be one between one man, one woman for a lifetime. Uh, our culture has tried to redefine that and say that, that there's such a thing as homosexual marriage. And the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible teaches just between a man and a woman. Some people say, well, it's okay. It's just a lump of tissue in a woman's body and it's her right to choose. The Bible says that God knows us before we're conceived and that he has wrought us together in our mother's womb for his purpose, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that our days before we are born are recorded in God's book. The Bible says that it is a child, not a lump of tissue. And the wickedness that's happening in our culture right now with laws being made that you can kill babies up till the time of even being uh, delivered and even after delivery is a wickedness just like Nazi Germany. There's no difference from it. It's an evil. And uh, I'm very concerned about our culture. But listen, that's the opinion of many people in the world. But we don't need to take the opinions of men. We need to say what the Bible says. That God has set us apart as being fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made in the image of God. Can I tell you something? Uh, somebody mentioned in Sunday school today that the, the, the lady that had brought this law about abortion uh, up in the Virginia uh, law session actually also made a decision to save caterpillars in the same session. Caterpillars are more important than people, according to her opinion. But the Bible says that mankind is God's chief and greatest creation. God said it was good every day, but when he made man, he said it is very good. There is no other creation like man because we are made in the image of God. Human life is valuable because God says it is and because God has made us in his image. We need to take scripture over opinion. There's also opinions about how to raise your kids. Um, people say don't spank your kids in the culture. Can I tell you something? The Bible says, if you'll wait, <laughs> cool down. No, the Bible doesn't say that. Uh, that's me, okay? That's, I'm using a little bit of license. But um, the Bible says, if you will discipline your kids, and if you will spank your kids when they are being rebellious, you will save their souls from death. That's what the Bible says. And so, do we take the opinion of this culture, or do we follow what God's Word says? The Bible's given us a very clear standard of right and wrong in the Ten Commandments. And then also, Jesus said in the Great Commandment, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. This is what God says the standard of righteousness is. Do we take our cues from the world as to what we believe is right and wrong? Or do we take our cues from the Scripture? Timothy is being told something very wise by Paul. He says, Timothy, don't take the opinions of man as, as your benchmark. Let your benchmark be the scripture, be the holy word of God. Can I tell you something? There's something special about the Bible. Sometimes people will say, well, it's just written by men. Well, then it's even a greater miracle. Because if it's written by men, then people on several continents spanning a period of over a thousand years penned a scripture that is unified and speaks the same message. That's a miracle. 
Listen, the Bible says that men were carried along by the Holy Spirit and wrote the things that God caused them to write down. It says all Scripture is God-breathed. Literally the breathed Word of God. So God uses the personality of the human author, but He also superintends the process so that what is written is not just the Word of men, but the Word of God. Isn't it interesting? People say the Bible is outdated But the Bible is still the best seller many times over. Why is that? Because there's something different about it. W. Criswell used to preach a message entitled, There's Just One Book. And uh, in that, he would would talk about this, this old man who's laying on his deathbed. And he says, son, bring me the book. And his son brings him some random book. And he says, no, son, not that book. Bring me the book. There's just one book. And he brought him the word of God. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's just one book to base your life on. And it's the word of God, the scripture, the Bible. So changing your destiny. I'm convinced with all my heart, if you will base your life on the truths of God's word, your life will be different. And you will be blessed. So we're to change our destiny, first of all, by choosing Scripture over opinion. Secondly, by conversion, choosing conversion over religion. What do I mean by that? Not that religion is wrong, but religion without Jesus is empty. You see, you you can do all the right things outwardly. You can come to church. Some people even serve in church and serve in church leadership, but they don't know Christ. Uh, I remember, I'll never forget uh, our seminary president sharing his testimony in chapel one day. And he said, I was a pastor of a Baptist church. And he said, I was lost. And he said, I came to the school of prophets here in, in Dallas, Texas and heard the gospel and was saved And I had to go back to my congregation and say, I need to be baptized. (laughs) I have been saved uh, for real this time. Uh, I have been converted. Listen, I had that experience in my my early life. Somebody encouraged me to come up and and do some things, and, and I did those things and everything. But my heart was unchanged. That was just, I was just going along with that person. And, and God had not dealt with me. And I had not made a choice to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And I remember the day I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, it was like the light came on in my spiritual life. And, and I began to live with a whole new uh, sense of purpose, uh, a whole new joy, because Christ was alive in me. Jesus had a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious teacher. He was the teacher of Israel, the scripture says. Jesus says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. All your religion, all the things you've done for God, all of it is empty without without a relationship with me. You must be born again. There needs to be a change in your heart. It comes about when you surrender your life to Jesus and put your trust in him. That's called conversion. When you're conversion. Listen, Paul was converted on the road to Damascus. That was a pretty dramatic one, wasn't it? He went from killing Christians and putting them in jail 
to being a Christian missionary. I don't know how much uh, more stark a change you could ever have than that. But Paul was determined to kill Christians. He was on his way to Damascus, but then a light from heaven came. And he was confronted with the very Savior he denied was God. And Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And Saul repented of his sin and became the great apostle Paul. Conversion. Have you been changed? Have you been born again? You need to choose conversion over religion. Religion will make you respectable in the eyes of people, but conversion will make you accepted in the eyes of God. So choose scripture over opinion. Choose conversion over religion. Choose honor over dishonor. Choose honor over dishonor. Look at verse 20. In a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay. Some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anybody purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Isn't that a promise? If someone cleanses himself from these dishonorable things, what is he talking about? The two dishonorable things that are mentioned in this scripture our false teaching and the wickedness of, of, of moral immorality. Uh, if he cleanses himself from these. Now, obviously, what he means by this is we can't cleanse ourselves from anything, can we? Jesus is the one who cleanses us. But what he means is we choose to cleanse ourselves. Of course, the first step is by trusting Jesus, repenting of our sins and trusting Jesus, beginning a relationship with him. But we also continually in our Christian walk have a choice every day that we live, how we're going to live. Uh, Paul says, um, I have this struggle going on in, in my life. Things I want to do, I don't do. And things I don't want to do, I do. What was me? Through the Spirit, I can uh, put to death these things of the flesh. And I can live for God. So I have this choice. Every day that I live, I can choose to follow Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if I will do that, and if I'll do that throughout the day, relying upon Him, then I'll become a vessel for noble use. Now, some will be used for common purposes. Listen, every gift is important in the body of Christ. But in this case, he's talking about the fact that some will be for uh, useful for every good purpose, and some won't be. So we need to make a choice. Are we going to live our life in a way that is honoring God or not? And if we live our life in a way that is honoring God, God will honor us. And he will transform us and change us and empower us so that we are prepared for every good work. Have you ever felt ill-prepared to serve God? Have you ever felt inadequate to serve God? I have. Can I tell you something? A lot of times we think, well, if I go to the right class, if, if I have enough information that I absorb, 
I'll be useful to the Lord. Nothing wrong with information. Nothing wrong with training. The Bible tells us to disciple. But what makes the true difference in a life of a person is the daily choice they make to honor God. And if we will do that as a people, heaven only knows what God will do through this church. Choosing honor over dishonor. Uh, none of us are perfect in this. Praise God, we can confess our sins and He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we can grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus. And that's learning how to walk in the Spirit. Can I encourage you? Pray that God will teach you how to walk in the energy of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the best prayers you could ever pray. Because it will be the key to everything. It will be the key to your spiritual victory. It will be the key to your effectiveness in your ministry to others. It will be the key to your better family life. Uh, it will be the key uh, to impacting people at work. Uh, listen, the, the potential of it, it is Christ in us that makes the difference. It's not us. And so ask God to teach you this so that you can be a vessel of honor for God. And God's power can rest on you and you can be useful and prepared for every good work. That's a great choice to make in your life. So choose scripture over opinion, conversion over religion, honor over dishonor, fourthly, purity over lust. Purity over lust. Boy, this is a message our culture needs. Look at verse 22. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. There's two parts of that. Some people try to flee youthful lust, but they don't try to pursue after God. It won't work. Same thing is true if you're wrestling with the enemy. The Bible says, submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Most people just quote, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I've done that, okay? But there's two parts of it. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Flee youthful passions. Pursue righteousness. By the way, pursue is the opposite of flee in the original text. Flee. Joseph did that, right? Woman grabs a hold of his garment. Come to bed with me. And he just gets out of there. He leaves his outer garment with her. I mean, he's just he's trucked out the door. He's fled the situation. That's a wise thing to do. But in the same way that you're fleeing from Immorality, you need to pursue and flee to Christ. Same, same type of intensity there. Pursue. It's a word that's used of persecution. As a matter of fact, used of Paul's persecution we just talked about in the book of Acts. This Greek word, pursue. Diligently, zealously. Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Along with those who call the Lord out of a pure heart. You see, Jesus said, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The problem with most of us is we're too half-hearted in the things of God. So, choose purity over lust. And finally, choose gentleness over division. Gentleness over division. If you look at verse 23, it says, Reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know they breed quarrels. 
The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Listen, he's telling him to choose gentleness over division, but there's a strategic reason why. He says, Timothy, if you will choose gentleness as you interact with your opponents, what you'll do is you'll unlock the door to God bringing about transformation in their lives. Because what's going on is they have been spiritually blinded by the enemy. And so there, there's something more than just a, a human debate going on here. This is spiritual. And in order to overcome this spiritual bondage, you need to consistently and gently apply the Word of God to it. And the Word of God shines the light into the spiritual darkness and can break those chains in their lives. Gentleness over division. Listen, our world has been deceived and and. We've been given over to a, a strong delusion to believe a lie. I believe that with all my heart. I, I think in our culture today, some of the sinful things we see going on are because of the spiritual blindness that's there. Oftentimes, that blindness is even in the church. How do we overcome it? We don't overcome it by being rude. We don't over, overcome it uh, by, by being unkind. We're to stand, we're to contend for the faith once for all entrusted the saints, the Bible says. But how do we contend? We contend with gentleness and with love. And ultimately, a gentle tongue, Proverbs says, breaks the bone. You ever thought about that? The power of a gentle tongue. What happens when you get unkind? Walls go up, right? You ever been in an argument with somebody and by, by the time it was over, neither one of you were listening to the other one? <laughs> you're just both, you're both talking. Nobody's listening. Right? That's what happens when you do that. But, but when you do so with gentleness, you may even have to t- hit the pause button. You may have to say, you know what? I've enjoyed this discussion. Why don't we, uh, why don't we resume this next week? And hit the pause button because you hear the voice levels coming up. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? You get in those, you hear the voices start to raise. You, you know, people, people starting to, it becomes, it gets to that place where it's no longer being productive. Hit the pause button. And what that does is it gives God the opportunity to work in that person's heart. And then you can resume a discussion about it at some later time. Um, perhaps... It means just closing your mouth in the midst of it. Did you know the most important thing is not winning the argument? It's loving the person. Because if you love the person, the door will be open another day to talk about things. But if you don't love the person and you lose them over the argument, you lose your opportunity with that individual. And so... There's balance there, and of course, there are times where, where Titus is told uh, uh, by Paul to rebuke someone sharply, but that is the exception rather than the rule. And the general rule is to teach gently 
to share gently the truth with other people. And as you do, God is able to take that seed you've planted and use it in a powerful way. Jesus talked with Nicodemus. He was, he was kind to him. He planted those seeds. And we're not really told what Nicodemus did with that information. And by the way, it's not our responsibility what other people do with the information that we share. We're just messengers. God is the one who works in hearts. But something happened in Nicodemus' life. We know that because who comes with Joseph of Arimathea to the tomb to, to take care of Jesus? Nicodemus. One of the Gospels tells us that. This man who is the teacher of Israel, who's in the Sanhedrin, who almost all of his buddies voted to kill Jesus. He is openly coming to the tomb to bury Jesus. Something happened in Nicodemus' life. The seed that Jesus planted took root and bore fruit. And he was changed forever. Gentleness over division. Um, Speak the truth in love. Grace, another scripture says, have your conversation be filled with grace, sprinkled with salt. Put a little sprinkle of salt on it as you're loving somebody. Inject a little truth. Sprinkle it in there. It's amazing what God will do. People will remember our love long after they forget what we say. And then what we say will mean more to them. I used to have uh, the first guy I served with. Uh, Brother Ron Ferguson in, in Illinois, he's now retired, uh, but he was a great pastor. Uh, but he told me, he said, Roger, they don't care what you know until they know how much you care. That may be a human saying, but it's, it's, it's backed by biblical truth. When you love people, it gives you the opportunity to reach them. So changing your destiny, what choices do you make? Scripture over opinion? Conversion over religion, honor over dishonor, purity over lust, and gentleness over division. As we make these choices in our lives, God will change the course of our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your wisdom. Help us live by that wisdom, Lord. And, Lord, I know that there may be people here today that don't know Jesus Christ. And, and my prayer would be that they would make a choice today to surrender their hearts and lives to you and receive the gift of eternal life. Thank you for the death Jesus died for sin and the resurrection uh, that he overcame the grave so that we could have a relationship with you. Um, Lord, help anyone who needs to make that decision to do so today. And Father, for those of us who are here today as believers, these choices by the...